Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. And so Paul's backstory was he was originally called Saul, a Jewish Roman citizen and a ruthless persecutor of the Christian church. Uh, There's a verse that says that Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So on his way to persecute the early Christian church, he has this incredible experience with Jesus. Now, now it's not during when Jesus is walking on earth. Jesus has died. He has risen again and he's now seated in heavenly places. And now on earth, as Paul is going on his way, he is interrupted and his plans are set aside for the purposes of God. And Jesus speaks to him and saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? This is Jesus you're persecuting. I love that Jesus sees no differentiation between how we love and treat him and how we love and treat people. It is very practical and it is the literal foundation of the gospel. Love God, love people. And when it comes to our purpose, Jesus takes it very personally. Paul then spent three days blind just processing this experience. And on day four, he gets prayed for by a man of God, Ananias. And Ananias prophesies over him saying that you will preach to the Gentiles. And a Gentile is just anyone that was not a Jew. So that means he was going to preach to the whole world. And being a Jew himself and understanding Jewish Jewish culture, this is an amazing upside down kingdom, um, tails turned to heads thing to be spoken over Paul. Here, not only does Paul receive his eyesight, he receives vision for his future. Luke, who wrote Acts, remember we're in this process. So he's now had his God encounter, but Luke, who wrote Acts, then spent 16 verses, this small handful of verses describing the next 10 years of, no, wait, 14 years, even more, 14 years of Paul's ministry. And these were all years of preparation. There was still a fulfillment and God was still using Paul, but he hadn't fully outworked and lived his purpose or even necessarily received a clarity around it. Then Luke goes on to spend another 10 years. No, sorry, I'm getting all my numbers mixed up. Numbers are never my strong point. Um, But he spends another 16 chapters describing the next 10 years. And it's somewhere in that 10 years that Paul makes this amazing statement of faith with uncommon clarity, uh, being able to say that he would go on testifying to the good news of God's grace. Even after Paul speaks this, he has three more years to make it to Rome and then another five or seven years in prison before he actually died as a martyr for the gospel. We see with Paul, uncommon clarity does not ensure immediate results. It's just that a clarity happens during the process. Okay, now I hope I've got some supporters in the room because we are now going to fly through five other examples of uncommon clarity of five people in the Bible in under five minutes. Woo! Okay, I hope, but you're very welcome to set a timer and hold me to the challenge. Okay, ready? Somebody did it. We're going. Esther. Esther's a Jewish orphan who became a Persian queen, and she had a secret identity. Upon discovering a decree had been passed to annihilate her entire people, her cousin came and beseeched her and said, Esther, perhaps you were put in your position for such a time as this. Can you go before the king, plead for our lives? And Esther, although she was hesitant at first, she rose to the challenge when she has this moment 
of uncommon clarity. And we see it in Esther chapter 4, verse 16. Go, Esther says, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. In Esther's moment of clarity, she was prepared to risk her life if it meant the saving of her people. Notice the similarity to Paul's response when he said, however, I consider my life worth nothing in light of my aim to walk out God's purpose. Both were prepared to lay down their life for their purpose. We have Joseph. Joseph dreamed of his brothers bowing down to him when he was just a teenager, but his brothers despised him for it and they sold him into slavery. And then we see Joseph go through years of persecution and promotion and persecution and promotion. And then finally, he has this moment of uncommon clarity in Genesis chapter 50. And he says in verses 18 to 20, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Sound like the vision? But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives, bigger than his life again. Just like Esther, just like Paul, the purpose was worth his life. And I also love that what they intended for evil, God used for good. And that's the same for us. There's nothing that's been done to you. And there's nothing that you have done that disqualifies you from walking out the purpose of God on your life. Moses. Moses, we see a doubting, excuse-filled misfit who had a God encounter. He became the mouthpiece for God and before Pharaoh, and he became the leader of a nation. And we see God show up and do exactly what he said he would do. And Moses grew in confidence and trust and respect. Moses's uncommon clarity may not have come in just one moment, but his confidence and clarity came in the moment by moment as he continued to trust and obey God. Samuel, Samuel's a young boy dedicated to God by his mother as a small child. He was raised in the temple and grows up in the Lord's presence. I love that. And he becomes a prophet who would go on to appoint and anoint nations. 1 Samuel 3, 19 to 21, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew. He let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. God is for you. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Samuel's clarity came through the word revealed. And we have Nehemiah, a cupbearer to the king who rallied the Jews to rebuild the walls around a ruined Jerusalem, despite being surrounded on enemies on every side. There was a predictable resistance, yet he had his moment of confident clarity when he saw favor and people and resource collide for the purpose of God on his life. And with confidence, he said in the face of his enemies, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, speaking to his enemies, you have no share. Nehemiah's clarity came through confirmation of favor, people, and resource. So we see five people that had this moment of uncommon clarity, but it all came a different way. Paul, who had a miraculous revealed will in his written word. We saw this with examples of Moses and Samuel and many more in the Bible as well. But then we see that this is personal for us in the commands of Jesus. And we have the Great Commission. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I commanded you. Surely I'm with you to the end of the age. Are you talking about Jesus as you go about your day? As, as you have breakfast with your family? Is Jesus in your conversation? Is the word in the center of your home? Is it being taught to your children? These are all ways that we go and make disciples of nations. Pretty sure Australia is a nation. We qualify. 
And we also have the greatest commandment coined by Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. It's the first and greatest commandment. The second's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love is a very good lens cleaner when it comes to seeking uncommon clarity. So we've gone through all of this. I hope it's brought some clarity to you around clarity. But maybe you're sitting here thinking, I've already stuffed it up. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm not talented enough. Or maybe if clarity is so uncommon, it's not for me. But clarity is uncommon, not because God treats people as a lucky dip. Um, The Bible actually says that quite simply, God doesn't have favorites. He gives vision and purpose. He doesn't just give vision and purpose to people that have won some spiritual lotto ticket. It's uncommon because few people pursue it. That's why it's the pursuit of purpose. And if you're wondering if you are one of the lucky ones, I just want to settle it right now. John 3, 16 says it all. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever, whoever, are you a whoever? You're a whoever, so you qualify. God's given you, oh no, hang on. Now I'm backing up my notes. Just focus on that, you qualify. If you worry that you'll miss your purpose or you're going to get your purpose wrong, drop that worry because the Bible says surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. All the days of your life, not just the good days or the bad days, all the days. If you stuff up, God's got you covered. Mercy and goodness right on your tail. Oh, I tripped, they caught me. It's as simple as that. God's given you purpose. The only unknown for us is the when and the how. That's why our path to uncommon clarity only succeeds when we stay close to Jesus. It is a partnership and God's desperate desire for relationship with us is the key to walking in continued clarity. Final verse I'm going to bring is 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. There's the one lifting of the veil, and that's the moment that you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I'm just actually going to invite the band to come as well. I did that when I was just a very little girl. I was just three, and I feel so honoured that I can remember it as such a little child saying yes to Jesus but there's another yes. That's the yes to God's purpose on your life. When you make Jesus Lord of your life, is he Lord of your entire life? Is he Lord of your future and Lord of your dreams and Lord of your plans and your desires? I think clarity actually really comes when we start to just surrender that all to him and we recognize that it's only God that can bring it. It's not us that can bring it. So there's the one lifting of the veil That's the moment you make Jesus Lord, but it's the moment by moment, close contact that produces the more and more. Clarity is the Bible. Get them to say, you're here on purpose. And Travis says, don't do it. It's so cringy. But you know what? We're going to do it. So turn to the person next to you and say, you're here on purpose. Now turn to the other person and say, that's right, I'm here on purpose. And we're going to pray. 
Jesus, thank you. We just thank you for everything that you've done. The work has been finished. Now we just get to come with that completed word that is living and active and speaking on our behalf. And we get to gather around it and we get to hear from you. So Lord, I just pray any words that are my own, any thoughts that are Sarah's thoughts, they die away right now that you will be honoured, you will be glorified, and that you will take this one message and divide it and speak uniquely and individually to every single heart in the room. And we give you the honour and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, welcome to our final week in our series, The Pursuit of Purpose. Hopefully you have been following along. We've had some amazing messages, but we've also had midweek studies. We've had daily devotionals. If we could provide it, we've provided it. And we really hope you've been uh, a part of it. But if you are just coming in and you're like, what is all of this, you can uh, still access all the material and work through it at your own pace. Um, there's our app, Search Northwest Church, but it is everything for the Chapel Collective. And then we've got all of our messages up on our YouTube channel. I think we've got them coming on our podcast as well. Um, so I really recommend you to get into them. So we've been centering around this quote by Pastor Craig Rochelle, everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up there on purpose. And I thought to myself, well, good quote, Craig, but <laughs> I will try and keep myself composed as Pastor Bronnie laughs. Um, but I have a, another pastor that I esteem slightly more highly, so I'm going to quote Pastor Daz. And Pastor Daz described um, what we're talking about in the pursuit of purpose in week one as vision that gives us a picture of the future and creates passion in the present. So, what we're going to coin this as today is uncommon clarity. And we're not just talking about any kind of clarity. Like, it's not like when you're like, oh, I've got a bit of a cough. I'm not really sure what's going on in my chest. So I'll go to the doctor. And the doctor gives you a diagnosis. And suddenly, you've got clarity around what's going on in your health. We're not talking about that kind. Or it's like a little bit like I experienced this morning where you put your jeans on and you're like, that button just didn't you know, do up as easily as it was doing up two weeks ago. So you step on the scales and you can see a very specific number of kilos that you need to lose. We're not talking about that kind of clarity. We are talking about the one and only kind of clarity that unmistakably comes from God around his vision and purpose that he places on your life. So we're going to go to the Word and we're reading Acts chapter 20, verses 22 to 24. And I've got my dad here this afternoon. I love my dad. And dad drove in the car with me this, morning, uh, this afternoon and he said, Sarah, what passage are you preaching on? I said, oh, Acts 20, dad. He opens it up and I got a full sermon on my sermon on the way to church this afternoon. So we are fired up. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Verse 22, and now, compelled by the Spirit, my dad's version said, bound by the Spirit. And we love that, the Spirit surrounds us. I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Verse 23, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. That is the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So we're going to take this scripture and just help us recap some of the things we've been covering over the last couple of weeks. We've talked about the Spirit's prompting. That might sound like unusual wording to you. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. And that's when we ask Jesus to come and live in our hearts, that His Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, is now living in us. And when He prompts us, it's you can get a sense, you can have a peace, you can literally have a thought and you're like, whoa, that was not my thought. 
And that's the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit prompts us or leads us, it will usually bring a resonance with hearts desires that he's already placed in us he it's usually not so left field that it's just crazy weird I once heard the most brilliant comment that said if someone's weird with the Holy Spirit they were probably weird before the Holy Spirit (laughs) and we see this with Paul in verse 22 he said and now compelled by the Spirit I'm going to Jerusalem this wasn't just Paul's decision this was the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit We've talked about certain uncertainty. Uncertainty is certain. Expect not to know how you're going to get there. And Paul says in that same verse, not knowing what will happen to me there. But because he's compelled by the Spirit, he doesn't need to sweat the small stuff and sweat the details because he's partnered with God in this. We talked about building capacity. Assess the now with honest humility. Steward the now to our fullest ability. And take next steps courageously and diligently. And last week, an absolutely incredible message by Pastor Mike on predictable resistance. Resistance is expected. Paul says in verse 23, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. When we embrace the struggle, we grow stronger. And remember, we go in the Spirit. The Spirit has already prepared us for whatever the enemy could bring our way. Okay, midweek, we've looked at past experiences, core values, our spiritual gifts. And finally, here we are in the last week to talk about uncommon clarity. It's when we pass through those states that we get to uncommon clarity. And we see a clear picture of this in Paul's verse 24. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. The thing is... There's no guaranteed, tried and tested, one size fits all, cookie cutter path to uncommon clarity. You can't Google it. There's no TED talk with your name on it saying, this is uncommon clarity for Peter Thistle. Because God's purpose on your life is unique, you can expect your path to uncommon clarity is going to be unique also. So if we look at, we've been talking through different examples, but focusing on Paul again, we can see that this is true of him. Paul's point of vision and the outworking of his purpose, um, he had to undertake a process. Encounter, Esther, who was divinely positioned, she fasted and prayed. Joseph's moment came through a repentant reunion with his brothers. Moses was in the moment by moment as he obeyed and trusted God. Samuel's clarity came through the word revealed and Nehemiah's was through colliding confirmation and resource supplied. <sighs> Who's timing me? How'd it go? I did all right? Woo! <laughs> There is one common thread of uncommon clarity, but each path is uniquely individual. So, uncommon clarity. Let's just try and put a little bit more definition around this. Clarity comes, but there's no guarantee for the when and the how. There's no guarantee of what moving forward from this point really looks like. But when we know, we know. It's not just head knowledge. It's heart revelation. It's something that only God can truly reveal to us. He can speak through other mouthpieces. He can speak through his word. He can speak through worship. Gosh, he can speak through donkeys. But it always comes through God. Uncommon clarity is the result of the other steps. 
may not always happen in that order, but God will use all of it to bring about what he wants to speak into our lives. We've had the spirits prompting, certain uncertainty, building in capacity, predictable resistance, assessing our past, our core values, our spiritual gifting. It all culminates to this point where God gives you vision for what he has purposed you to do on earth. And I love this analogy. It's like... um. When you go to the optometrist, and I actually just remembered this morning being a little girl going to my first optometrist appointment, and they put those big, thick glasses in front of you, like all the many lenses, and a picture's held up in front of you, and I just remember yellow blobs because I still couldn't read at this point. And the optometrist would start to lift them one by one, and one by one it got clearer and clearer until I could see little ducks in a row. But you know what? Maybe there are people in this room where you feel like you've already checked out because you feel disappointed and you feel discouraged. And it's like, I signed up to know God's purpose for my life and he ain't speaking. I don't know. I still feel like this. Maybe it's you that feels like you've still got all those lenses in front of your face and the vision's blurred. I just want to encourage you. You have as much clarity as you need for the next step. We walk by faith and faith is what pleases God. Walking out our purpose for God is a partnership. We can't do it on our own. We were never created or designed to do it on our own. We are created to do it in the strength of Jesus Christ. And what I can tell you right now is you have it. You have the clarity you need for your next step. God might light up the entire path before you, or it might just be a lamp to your feet as you walk step by step. We, when we know, we know. The catch is, though, it only becomes clear when God wants it to become clear. And you might be asking yourself if... Um, Getting to this place of uncommon clarity is so unpredictable and uncontrollable. What even can you do? Like, do we just sit back and, and hope God rolls the dice and tomorrow morning I'll have my clarity? There's absolutely things we can do because even though only God can make it, we can position ourselves and we can position our hearts to be in places and spaces for uncommon clarity to form. And I really do encourage you, don't let it just be where you find yourself or where you place yourself, but create space for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. What's your time look like in the Word each day? When are you making intentional time to speak to God about the worries? If you've got time to worry, you've got time to pray. If there is... Um, anything in your life right now, that's a struggle. Invite God into it, but we've got to be intentional. There's nothing that the enemy wants more than to convince us that there's nothing we can do. God has absolutely equipped us and given us every tool we need. Walk in what you do know to do in the season you're in. Be faithful with little and then you can be faithful with much. Um, there's a Great story with Joyce Meyer. I'm sure many of you know Joyce Meyer. She is a world-renowned uh, preacher and she has carried the gospel all through the world. Um, but I actually heard in Pastor Bronnie's message this morning that um, when Joyce Meyer began speaking, there were really no known women speakers at the time. And she really had a conviction from God that she would... Um, preach in the north the east and the south and the west so she took God very literally at that word and did what she could do with what was in her hand she started connect groups in the north and the south and east and west of her city and now we know that Joyce Meyer has preached around the world in every single direction that you could find on a compass that can only be God but and it was through her obedience to the spirit's prompting that he was able to outwork the purpose of God on her life 
We can fast and pray. And we saw that um, if you actually go and look at the full backstory with Nehemiah, Esther, Paul, Ananias who prayed for Paul, fasting and prayer is an example put all through the word. If you think fasting is an outdated thing to do, can I just encourage you that we are talking about a living and a risen king. So anything he asks us to do is not archaic. It is not historic. It is not old. It too is alive and powerful. So fasting filters out distractions so we can hear clearly from the Holy Spirit. It heightens our awareness of the spirit promptings that we've been talking about. Fasting also shows God that we take this seriously, that we aren't just Oh, maybe today I'll feel like it. it's like, God, I'm signing up. I'm showing you I'm serious. It shows God you're serious. It shows the enemy you're serious. And it shows people around you you're serious. You're an influencer, whether you like it or not. The statistic is that the average person will influence 10,000 people in their lifetime. You don't have to be standing up here and you don't need a microphone. That's you. So take this seriously. Prayer. When we pray, it shifts things. This is something I'm so passionate about. Prayer is a medium. It's the medium through which God's spirit moves. He goes about accomplishing his will on earth. Prayer is the point of thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It literally pulls heaven's resources down to earth for us to access. And we can find all of those resources in his word. When we pray, it brings God's presence on the scene. I am is in the midst. God calls himself I am because there are not enough names in all of the languages on earth to fully contain who our God is. And that God, that God that there's not enough names for, he comes and inhabits our prayers. And his presence is there with every resource that we could need. Pray. God wants to bring clarity, but we have to draw near to him. He's the only one that has the full map written out on our lives. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.